take your Bibles to Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11 tonight uh, is where we're going to be. We were also in Acts chapter 11 uh, last week. We preached on the next gateway to the gospel, talked about Antioch and uh, all those things there and how Barnabas had went and got Saul and uh, they were working there to try to uh, help grow uh, people in that area. Many people were being saved and uh, all of those things. But tonight we're going to look at uh, verse 24 uh, and following. Actually, let's jump up to verse 22, 22 down to the end of the chapter uh, of Acts chapter number 11. The Bible says uh, in Acts chapter number 11, verse 22, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth uh, Barnabas, uh, that he should go as far as Antioch, uh, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. For uh, For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Now, I thought about that verse there in in verse number 24. It's talking about Barnabas. And uh, Barnabas, we know, we talked about last week a little bit, Barnabas was that encourager. Uh, He was the one that uh, went to Saul, and uh, when Saul was... Uh, nobody wanted to believe of Saul's transformation, that Saul had changed. Uh, everybody was still in fear of Saul. They were wondering if he was just maybe trying to uh, trick them or get them into a place where... So Barnabas actually spoke on his behalf. And Barnabas said, hey, I, I heard him. Uh, I heard him disputing with the Grecians about Christ. I heard him preaching about all that. He's a different person. He's a new creature in Christ Jesus. God did a work in his life. And uh, he was that encourager. He's the one that put it, uh, just uh, gave that motivation uh, to Saul in that time and encouraged the others that were around to not have any fear that Saul was different. And uh, Barnabas is, uh, has a good testimony. And uh, if you remember in the beginning parts of Acts when it was talking about going to Antioch and uh, all those things and um, they were talking about how they needed to send somebody there to Antioch and uh, they chose out Barnabas. Look what it says here in the passage of Scripture. It says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and the faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So Barnabas has come to Antioch and he's encouraged by what he's seeing. People are uh, growing. People are being added to the church. The church is growing and uh, he's saying, wow, they're, they're growing. We need to get some other help here. We got more people we got to reach and uh, different things like that. And so he says, I'm going to Tarsus to get Saul. I saw his zeal and I know uh, what he's capable of. And if he, if, if he was here to help me, uh, we'd be able to do more for the Lord. And uh, so he goes to Tarsus to get Saul. But as I was going through this and I was reading, I came by verse 24 And verse 24 gave me some insight on something that we need to look at tonight. It said that Barnabas, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. I began to think about this, and when they came together, and uh, they go here, and we're going to see how when uh, Saul comes and different things like that, that they were here ministering and doing some things in this passage of Scripture. But he, it says in verse 26 that they assembled themselves together. Uh, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So we're talking about the church here gathering together here in Antioch. But there was a recipe that was given about the life of Barnabas. 
And I believe that uh, if we look at his life, we're going to see some things, not just with him, but with Paul. But there's a recipe throughout Scripture that we're going to talk about tonight. And I believe we can find some things out of even verse 24, that some character traits that Barnabas has here that we're going to uh, kind of springboard into the message with. And uh, it said that he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And then it says that much people were added unto the church. And I began to think about that. I know I've, been, I've teased uh, Nanan a couple times. I asked her, I said, Nanan, how you doing? She said, I'm good. And I tease her, I said, no, there's none good but one, and that's God. You know, I'll tease her that way. But the Bible says here that Barnabas was a good man. Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. And so can somebody be good? Absolutely they can be. How? Because they have the one who is good living inside of them. And so we're going to look at some things tonight, and we're, we're going to title the message this evening is, How to Be a Good Church Member. How to Be a Good church member. We're going to talk about that this evening uh, as we go through the message. See, God is still in the business of saving souls. Uh, God is, is still in the business of changing lives. Uh, I believe that just because we're in the year of 2019, soon to be uh, 2020, does not mean that God doesn't want to save people anymore. And uh, I believe God still wants to save people. He still wants to see people trust Christ as their Savior. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But it said here that Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. And as I was thinking about this, the first thought I had of how to be a good church member, first off, in order to be a good church member, you have to be saved and baptized. You can't be a member of the church unless you're saved and baptized. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But if you're here tonight and you're not saved, listen, you're not going to be able to be a good church member. Why? Because you can't even be a member of God's uh, church because you're not a member of God's family. And so we got to have uh, that area settled in our life. Look at Titus, if you would please, the book of Titus. Titus chapter number three. Titus chapter number three. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5, it says this, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy hath he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and by renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's talking about being saved. Listen, it's not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy hath he saved us. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The first area in our life that we need to get settled, if we're going to be a good church member, is to make sure that you know, that you know, that you know, that you're on your way to heaven. That's got to be the first place that you settle. You say, preacher, why do we talk about salvation all the time because there's a testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have just said some words and think they're on their way to heaven they've just said some words thinking there was magic in those words and uh, there was no belief accompanied with those words they just said some things and they thought well that's what's going to get me to heaven but the bible says for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation listen you've got to believe what the bible says about the death burial and resurrection of the lord jesus you got to believe that you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You understand, you can't be found until you realize that you're lost. It's hard to be found until you realize that you're lost. you got to put yourself in the lost category. Why? Because we're all sinners. And because of our sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. 
That means the earning of our sin is death. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm preaching to the faithful crowd, the one that's here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night most often times. But I'm not going to take for granted that everybody in this room is saved tonight. Only you know that and only God knows that because I can't see your heart. Only God can see your heart. But maybe you're here tonight and you have been trusting in your religious deeds. Maybe you've been trusting in your church attendance. Maybe you've been trusting in how much you've given the offering or how much you've sacrificed for the church. Or uh, maybe in just uh, because you have uh, said some words or said a prayer that you think you're on your way to heaven. But the Bible doesn't teach that. He said the only way to get to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy hath He saved us. You've got to believe that you're a sinner. Believe that your sin had a penalty. Believe that even in our sin, God loved us so much that He commended His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then He says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I'm glad verse 13 was there too. He said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means that anybody can trust Christ as their Savior. It doesn't matter how far down they've gone. Satan tries to make people believe that they're too far down for God to reach. Listen, God died on the cross. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, died on the cross through Jesus Christ. Uh, And we know that uh, he took sin upon himself. He became sin for us, the Bible says. All sin was placed upon him. So everybody's sin was placed upon him that day on the cross. And he died for all sin. And he was uh, redeemed us. And his blood was shed. And that's good enough to be saved. And I want you to know we got to trust him as our Savior. In Psalm 37 and verse number 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So hold on a second. It said Barnabas was a good man. Well, how could he be a good man? He had to have the one who is good living inside of him so that his steps could be ordered by that good one who's living inside of him. So as we read through Psalm 37, and it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, let me ask you this question. Is God ordering your steps? Are you following after him? Well, to be a good church member, first off, we got to be saved and baptized. Notice the order there. Baptism isn't first, salvation is first. Baptism is an obedience to the Lord after salvation, identifying what took place inside of us on that day. Jesus commanded to do it. He did it as an example for you and I. And it is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also a picture of our sins being buried in the depths of the deepest sea, raised to walk in a new life with Christ. We're identifying that we're part of God's family through baptism. That's what we do. And God wants us to be saved and baptized. If we're going to be a good church member, first off, you've got to be saved and baptized. Listen, if you're not saved, God is not ordering your steps. And he said that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I thought about that when Barnabas had said he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And many folks were added unto the church after that. I thought, well, hold on a second. Why were people added unto the church? I believe because Barnabas, not only was he a good leader there, and we're going to talk about this here in just a little bit, but he was a good church member himself. He set a good example for those following. He was a good man. The steps of, the, uh, of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let's go back to our text in Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11. So to be a, a, a good church member, first off, we've got to be saved and baptized. That's the first key. Uh, you've got to be saved and baptized before you can be a good 
church member. But look at uh, Acts chapter number 11, verse number 24 through verse 26. It says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass, look what it says, that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You see what it says? They assembled themselves. So wait, if you're going to be a good church member, first off, you've got to be saved and baptized. Second off, you've got to come to church. You must attend church. You're going to be a good church member. Guess what? God wants you to be here. He died for the church, gave himself for it, but he wants you to come to church. Remember, he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a man of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, when we come to church, what's the importance of us coming to church? Uh, coming to church does a couple things. First off, it encourages us, what, brothers and sisters in Christ, to get us to help encourage one another to keep on going for God. That's one, step, one reason. Another reason we come is to have life change. You say, what are you talking about? Get the Word of God and the message that God has for us at that time. And there's people who say, well, preacher, I can do that uh, sitting at home reading my Bible myself. Absolutely. But God also tells us to uh, assemble ourselves together. All throughout Scripture, he talks about the church coming together. Listen, it said they assembled themselves with the church for a whole year and taught the people. Could you imagine being at church every day for a year? We have a hard enough time coming three times a week for a couple hours at a time. Could you imagine uh, coming every day of the year? To, to church, assembling together. I mean, we have revival meeting and people are like, well, that's just too many hours for us. I mean, could you imagine coming that much to church? It's that they assembled themselves together. Listen, you must attend church if you're going to be a good church member. Psalm 122 in verse 1. Let's look there quickly. Psalm 122. Verse number one, look what it says. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, I feel like in the day and age we live in today, we talk about church and people say, man, I got to go to church again. Oh my, woe is me. I got to go to church. No, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. What to be excited to be in God's house. We're excited. Listen, we have a beautiful facility God gave us. What a blessing it is. Uh, we have a, a, it's got heat, it's got air, it's got pews. They might sag a little bit, but we still got them. You know, praise the Lord for it. And we have bathrooms we can go to and uh, lights that are on. And what a blessing uh, that we have a place we can come together and meet. But this building is what makes up the church. It's the people that make up the church. What good would the building do if we never came to it? If we never assembled ourselves together? See, the fact is, God wants us to come together and uh, assemble ourselves together, encourage one another, motivate one another to go forward for the cause of Christ. And we ought to come to church. So to be a good church member, first off, you've got to be saved and baptized. Second, you, ought to, you need to attend church. I have a quote in the front of my Bible. It says, your absence from church is a vote to close the doors. And say, really, is it that extreme, preacher? Well, it is that extreme when everybody does it. You think if we say, well, you know what, uh, I'm just not going to come to church and uh, I, just, I can watch church from home. You know, I had somebody tell me, preacher, I don't need to go to church because I can worship God at home. I said, you know what, you're exactly right. You can't worship God at home. 
And you can worship God in your car. And you can worship God walking down the street. And you can worship God washing your car, doing whatever you want to do. But you cannot obey God and not come to church. You can't be obedient to God and skip church. You say, preacher, what if I can't come? God understands. God knows your circumstance. Sometimes he knows you're working or sometimes he knows you're sick. But if you're able to be there, guess what? He loved the church and gave himself for it. We ought to assemble ourselves together. We need to be here at church. So to be a good church member, you've got to be saved and baptized. Second, you need, you need to attend church. Another thing that we see throughout the whole book of Acts that they were doing, if you remember after uh, in Acts chapter 2 and all those things, once they, people started coming to the church and Pe- uh, Pentecost happened and all that, it said that they began to sell their, their things and give it to the church and do those kind of things. And I'm, listen, I'm not telling you to go home and sell all that you have and give it to the church, but what we ought to do, not only do we need to be saved and baptized and be, uh, attend the church, but we need to support the church. We need to support the church. Look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He said, I have showed you all things, how that laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord, how he said, it is is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. God wants us to be givers. He wants us to be faithful in giving. I want you to look also at 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. Starting in verse number 1 and 2, look what the Bible says. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order unto the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. As we look at this, it says, on the what day of the week? First day of the week. Oftentimes we mistake things when we say Sunday's in the weekend. Have you ever looked at the calendar? Really, Sunday's the first day of the week, isn't it? And God tells us that uh, on the first day of the week that we ought to uh, gather together and give that collection for the saints. What's the purpose? Well, it helps us to continue to be able to go forth and reach people. It gives us the opportunity to meet together and have lights on and different things like that. It helps us to to be able to get the gospel out and have more things printed to be able to do things for people and uh, be able to, to bless. And yes, it helps to support the work that's going on here in every ministry that we have and the preacher and all the different things. But we ought to be supporting the work of God. We ought to be supporting the church. I think oftentimes uh, God wants to bless us in certain ways, but he can't because we're not willing to give. He said it's better better to give than to receive. See, God wants to use you as a channel, a conduit to flow things through. But the reason sometimes God doesn't do it is because we squeeze when it gets in in the tube. When God gives it through that channel, we just begin to squeeze and say, I'm not letting it flow through and come out this way. I'm going to squeeze it so I have more. The fact of the matter is, God allows us to do things, and the more we give, the more God can trust us with. For it's better to give than to receive. So to be a good church member, you've got to be saved and baptized. You've got to need to attend the church, and you need to support the church. Next, I want you to look in your Bibles, if you would, please, to James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1. 
starting in verse number 22. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if ye be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. If any man among you seem to be religious, but bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. That verse there, verse 26, really stuck out to me as I was looking through this. If we're going to be a church member, a good church member, first off, you've got to be saved and baptized if you're going to be a church member. Then you need to attend the church. You need to support the church. But look what it says here in verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, you need to never speak bad about your church. Never speak bad about your church. You say, why is that? Because the church isn't about the building, it's about the people. You ought not to speak bad about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Are they always going to make the right choice? No. But you ought not to speak bad about them. I don't care if you have odds against somebody else, you ought not to speak bad about the church. You ought to keep your mouth shut. I said, if you can't bridle your tongue, then your religion's in vain. We have to learn how to control our tongue. You know, some of the times I think we destroy people from wanting to come to church and we have a bad testimony in church because uh, people are worried about what people are going to say because they made some mistakes. Or maybe somebody says something wrong to you and uh, instead of us just taking it like uh, grown-ups and being mature about the thing, we want to lash back out at them with our tongue. Then we want to tell everybody else about how bad it is. See, there was oftentimes we sit in church, though, and we act like everything's good. We act like everything's going smooth. But as soon as we walk out and get in the car, we start criticizing everything the preacher talked about. We start listening to our ungodly music, doing our ungodly things. And guess what? Our young people know it. They know it. They hear you badmouth the church. They hear you badmouth the things that are going on. And guess what? There's going to come a day in their life they're going to need the church. But they're not going to have any confidence in it. Because we're too busy bad-mouthing the church. You say, that doesn't happen. Listen, I spent almost 10 years as a youth pastor. There's times that uh, parents would come to me and say, I can't figure out why my child's being so rebellious. And so I'd get, al- I'd get alone with that young person standing there in uh, the area of the, the foyer area that we would have. And I'd talk to them for a few minutes. And I'd say, hey, why, why are you being so rebellious to your mom and dad? And they're like, oh, don't worry about it, Pastor Carl. Well, no, I need to figure this out, man. What's going on? Tell me what's happening. They said, well, part of the reason is because every time we leave here, all I ever hear them say is something negative about the church. And if they're going to be negative about it, why can't I be negative about it? They don't want to come. Why should I come? And I begin to think, wow, you know, our kids do listen to what we say. We've got to be careful uh, what our tongue says. You know, there's oftentimes also that we use, uh, we have that um, courage on Facebook. Uh, we get out of church and uh, social media courage, I call it, is uh, we get on social media, we begin to blast everything that's going on in the situation. Uh, even people that we don't know that are just, oh, there are Facebook friends. We've never met them before, but they're our friends. We begin to tell them every bad thing. And you wonder why people don't want to don't want to come to church and don't want to grow in the things of God. Because we, we can't bridle our tongue. The Bible says tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Listen, our tongue can hurt people. It can hurt the work of God. We have to be careful. It says that he, he that bridleth not his tongue, that his religion is in vain. That man's religion is in vain. 
We have to be careful what we say. I remember when I was a kid, we used to sing songs in junior church, and we'd say, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little mouth, what you say. We used to sing that song uh, when I was little. We used to sing it on the bus. And I never really understood uh, what it really meant until I got in the ministry, and I began to see how cruel sometimes we can be with our words. We have to be careful. You're going to be a good church member, one that God is pleased with. You've got to learn to never talk bad about the church. You say, why? Because even though you may have had a bad experience, it's not the church as a whole that's the problem. You understand that? It's not, the church, it's not God's church that's a problem. It's people. And guess what? People are sinners. I know that's a shock. And even though we get saved, uh, we have not arrived to complete perfection. We haven't reached this sinless atonement yet, okay? We're still sinners. We still make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to catch people on a bad day, and they're going to say some things that maybe offend you or maybe hurt you. Well, the fact of the matter is maybe you ought to pray for them, learn to love them, and and do what the Bible says, where a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. There's a lot of times in church we think that we were somebody important because we got the last word in the argument uh, that doesn't mean that uh that we are more intellectual than the person that just means that we have no control the bible says he that had no control over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls you know what that means it means we're defenseless and we can't learn to control it so if you're going to be a good church member, first off, you've got to be saved and baptized. Second off, you need to attend church. Third, you need to support the church. Fourth, you need to never talk bad about your church. Next, let's look at Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. You know, the Bible tells me as a pastor to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, to preach the whole counsel of God. There's times I don't like preaching certain things, and one of them is tonight. I don't like preaching this. But you know what? I've got to preach it. Why? Because it's important for us to be good church members. Why? Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God gives us some direction and some steps that he wants us in. Look at Hebrews chapter number 13, and let's look at verse number 7. Look what the Bible says also. Remember them which have the rule over you, which have, who have spoken of you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Look at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For this is unprofitable for you. Look at Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. Verse 28 said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Listen, I want you to understand the job that God has given me as the pastor of Faith Baptist Church is a very important, important, important job that God's given me. And that is to help feed the flock of God. It's to help lead the church to him. Notice what I did not say. I did not say it's my job to lead the church to me. It's my job to lead the church to God. That's what the pastor's job is. And when the Bible says to obey them that have rule over you for he watch for your souls, automatically we get defenseless because, or defensive because we think, well, the preacher's telling me i got to obey everything he says. That's not what it's all about. Understand this, a pastor is not a dictator. Let's just clarify that. A pastor is not to be a dictator, he's to be a leader. 
He's to be a shepherd, somebody who helps feed the sheep, somebody who stands in the way of danger for the sheep, somebody who's there to uh, help encourage and strengthen the flock of God, a preacher who tries to be a dictator and who uses the pulpit to uh, get his political agenda across or whatever his soapbox argument is, is not doing the work of a, pre- of a pastor. He's not doing what God has commanded him to do. That is what is a dictator. Uh, Brother Matt, can I borrow you for a moment? Um, this is, let, me, let me use you for an illustration if you'll come up here with me real quickly. I want to use this as an illustration quickly. We oftentimes get pretty defensive about when the preacher talks about uh, obey them that have rule over you for they watch for your souls, uh, that they may give an account and that they can do it with joy and not with grief. If I were to say, hey, I'm going to try to lead the church of God and I do it this way, That's not leadership, that's dictatorship. Why? Because I'm pushing somebody to do something that they're not wanting to do. But this is leadership. Hey, Matt, I'm going this direction for the Lord. Let's go together. See, this is leadership as I begin to do the work and set the example, and I try to live this way so that other people can follow that direction. See, that's how Jesus was. You understand? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, when the Bible tells me as the pastor to feed the flock of God, it's not to dictate and to whip the church. My job is to lead them for God, lead them in love, lead them in that way. And as, thank you, and as I lead to God, guess what your job is to do? Follow. Why? As I follow God, you should follow me. I did not say follow me because I know everything. Or follow me to worship man. No, not at all. Let me tell you this, church. If I ever get away from this book and change doctrine, you need to get another preacher. Just telling you that right up front. If we ever change from the Word of God, if I ever get up here to preach just a political agenda that somebody has, that is not the type of pastor that you need. The type of pastor that you need is one that will preach, Thus saith the Lord, and this is why we believe what we believe, because God said it. That's why. And as we follow Christ, you're to follow us. So, to be a good church member, what do you do? You respect pastoral leadership. Notice I did not say pastoral dictatorship. Pastoral leadership. And in that leadership, that's also how God intends it to be in our families. See, God never intended the husband to dictate the wife. God intended the husband to lead the wife. There's a difference. Uh, It's easy to follow somebody who's leading. It's hard to do something when somebody's dictating. When somebody's a dictator over you, you want to resist it. Why? Because that's just normal. When we get pushed against, we like to push back. But when somebody's leading, then it's easier to follow. I made a statement when uh, I was candidating to be the pastor. I said, I'll never ask you to do anything that I won't do. Why? Because that's what leadership does. Leadership says, come with me as I follow the Lord. Go the direction that I'm going. Let's follow Christ. But if I say, you do this and I'm going to sit here, that's a little bit different. That's called dictatorship, not leadership. See, parents, we need to uh, remind ourselves about this because that's the example that we set to our young people. We need to be leading them. That means that we're doing the work saying, hey, join me. Follow along. Why do our young people want to serve Christ? Because they see us doing it. They see us going forward for God. And that's how it ought to be. So uh, never talk bad about your church. Uh, respect pastoral leadership. Also, look at uh, Acts chapter number 4. 
Acts chapter number 4. We'll be finished here soon. Acts chapter number 4. I hope you understand uh, the spirit in which I'm preaching this tonight. I'm not trying to uh, say that we are having a problem with any of this stuff. This is preventative maintenance, okay? I don't like uh, preaching messages, especially that have to do with anything about uh, my leadership or any of those kind of things, but I believe this is what God wanted us to preach, and so we're going to preach it tonight. But understand this, again, let me clarify, as a pastor leads for the Lord, we follow. Why? Because our desire is to go where God is. To go where God is. You don't serve the Lord because of man. You serve the Lord because of God. People will let you down. People will come and go. But the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be there. So uh, respect pastoral leadership there. Second, Acts chapter 4, verse number 31. And when he had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness but i want you to see the key there in verse 31 it said and when they had what prayed so if you're going to be a good church member first off you need to be saved and baptized you need to attend church you need to support the church you need to never talk bad about the church you need to respect pastoral leadership but then you need to be a member that prays for your church that prays for your church guess what you uh, I, I have another quote in the front of my bible says this a church that prays together stays together and that goes uh, with a relationship, a family, husbands and wives that pray together, families that pray together, stay together. Why? Because we ought to pray together. We ought to have that thing where we, we pray and we do the things that we're supposed to do. And uh, we ought to be a family of praise. This says that there, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. If you go to Acts chapter 12, the next chapter over uh, is where Peter's in prison. And uh, the church begins to have a prayer meeting. Remember, they begin to pray for Peter that he'll be released. And all of a sudden, uh, there's a knock at the door, and little Rhoda opens the door. And she says, ah, and shuts the door and goes running in. Hey, Peter's here. And they're like, oh, no, Peter's not there. You're crazy. They're praying for him. God answers their prayers, and they didn't believe it. But you know what? God did a miracle because the church was praying. The church was praying. Listen, we need to be a church that prays. I'm not talking about just on Wednesday nights when we come to prayer meetings. I'm talking about a church that prays. We need to be a church that can get a hold of God. People in our church need you to be the type of, of church member that can get in tune with the Lord, that can get a hold of God's ear. Why? Because there's not iniquity in our heart. There's not sin raging through our life that uh, God says if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. You know what? Our church needs us to be clean vessels. Why? So that we can be good prayer warriors and that God will hear from heaven uh, when we pray. You need to be a church full of prayer, a church that's willing to pray. Also in Acts chapter 11, verse 24, it said Barnabas was a good man. And then he gives two key things here that I'm going to touch on. It says he, he, he was a good man and he was full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. So if you're going to be a good church member, guess what? You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 1.8, he said, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what? God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. You need to be a Spirit-filled church member. 
Listen, being filled with, filled with the, spilled with the spirit, uh, that's what I was going to say, filled with the spirit, okay? Uh, hey, you talk as much as I do, you're going to twist words up every so often, but hey, gives us something to laugh, out, laugh about, doesn't it? God wants you to be full of the spirit of God. He wants you to be filled with his spirit. It's not just limited to the pastor. It's not just limited to the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. It's every church member, every child of God ought to be full of his spirit. See, he said Barnabas was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Guess what? We need to be people of faith. Have faith in God. Faith that God can do the impossible. Faith that God's going to hear us when we pray. Faith that we're going to get to know God when we come to church. And we're going to get the message of God when we come to church. We ought to be people full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. But last tonight in Acts 1.8, he said this. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then he says this. And ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. So if you're going to be a good church member, guess what? You ought to have interest in the lost. Be interested in winning souls for Christ. Look at Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5, verse 15 and 16, it says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Verse 14, if you jump before that, he said this, Ye are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. And then he says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So how is the lost and dying world going to see the light of the Lord Jesus Christ? As if God's people develop an interest in the lost, and we let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works. Not hiding it under a bushel, not being an undercover Christian, but letting our light shine. Letting our light shine. That's what God wants us to do. So you're going to be a good church member. You've got to have interest in the lost. You say, well, preacher, I'm not good at witnessing. You can hand out a gospel tract. You can give somebody a tract and say, hey, let me, let me have you read this. That'll tell you how you know for sure you're going to heaven. Listen, do what you can to see the gospel go forward. Do what you can to see the gospel get lost you, you, or the gospel go on to the lost. Listen, we as a church, God has given us a mission field here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Not surrounding areas of shepherdstown and all these other smaller areas around us and even going into maryland and other guess what this is our jerusalem listen i love the fact that we have missionaries that we support but if if we reach out to those areas and we forget about our area we've missed out we got to reach the lost we got to win people to christ god wants us to do that so how were people added under the church how were people doing this? Listen, they were good men, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. They were reaching out, doing the things they were supposed to do. They were setting good examples, and people were added unto the church. They were being saved and brought in and discipled and trained, and uh, they were doing the work that God had called them to do. And listen, we just need to get busy for Christ. It's not time for us to slow down. It's not time for us to back up. It's not time for us to give in or wave the white flag of surrender. We can rest uh, for eternity when we get to heaven. Let's just keep pressing on the upward way, trying to reach people for the Lord. Uh, God wants each and every one of us to share the, the gospel to the lost and dying world. And uh, we have, if you're saved in this room tonight, you know how you got saved. You ought to tell somebody about it. You ought to tell them how you know that you're on your way to heaven. 
Let me encourage you to be a good church member, one that's steps are ordered by the Lord. See, because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Listen, does God delight in the way you're going? Does God find joy in the direction you're heading? Are your steps ordered by God? Are you being a good church member? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.